me today the podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and executive editor. The province today has introduced amendments to the Election Act aimed at combating disinformation campaigns and improving the mail-in balloting process. You know, our last provincial election in 2020 was the first in which more people mailed in their ballots or voted in advance than they did at the voting stations on election day. So there's changes taking place that the law needs to reflect. I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast today the province's Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, to talk about the amendments and the directions they seek. Good to have you with me. No, thanks for having me. It's great to talk about elections. Yeah, what are the problems that these amendments are trying to solve? Well, the chief electoral officer is the is constantly issuing reports and analyzing the results of an election when it happens, and he directs it at my office. And there were two that this, these amendments respond to, and one is a 2020 report that was on disinformation in the election process, and then another one that was um, later on in 2022 that was really about what did we learn about um, the different ways people vote and what the amendments are. So the real focus on dis- disinformation is is a is a new thing the chief electoral officer and certainly all of us have identified and seen how disinformation has really penetrated a lot of elections um, and impacted that so um, it's part of a response to those reports and we're constantly updating our elections act to respond to that it sounds very serious uh, the disinformation problem I, I wonder have you have you had a targeted you at any point um I have now. I have not, to my knowledge, have disinformation targeted at me. Um, that that's certainly something that, uh, unless it happened and I didn't know, but that, that it, at least it gives a chief electoral officer the powers to kind of be the overseer of the election and make sure that that stuff can he they can issue orders to stop it when it happens. But no, not personally, no. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly uh, understood a lot of people, particularly in languages other than English, have had uh, you know very very difficult information or disinformation spread about them. And uh, in some cases they claim it's, you know, it's cost, uh, cost them the, the election in some mm-hmm. cases. Um, how, how, how much of an, uh, of an actual governance though, can you, can you do on something like this that is so technologically clever? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the tools that we've given the chief electoral officer are really focused at circling around certain things that are objectively disinformation. Because I know like during elections, there is this space for freedom of expression and open debate and ideas. But there are certain things that you mentioned that we know have been harmful. And it could be things like place of birth, citizenship, qualifications, uh-huh. criminal records, um, and, you know, membership to an association that people can spread that are actually not true, that impact on people's um, people's electability, right? And and actually is is undermining their ability to run, including candidates themselves saying things about themselves that are not true. So what okay. this does is is kind of put that circle around it, and and um, and you know it can be it can be really harmful for people in elections when that happens, and. And the fines are pretty significant in the changes. So the hope is that we'll have an ability to actually not only stop it when it happens, but set up a deterrent mechanism for people that when they are, they know that there are consequences for, for this kind of behavior in our election. But one of the problems, as you know, is the anonymous sourcing of all of this. You don't know who's behind it. There's like a real cloak. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that's interesting with the with the amendments that we've we've taken the advice of the chief electoral officer and the tools that he thinks is, are needed in the Elections Act for for them to investigate and to actually reach 
question. And one of the one of those is to issue orders for online posting, so digital platforms to say you must remove that. That content is not true. And and so there's a fine of up to um, fifty thousand a day if that that order is not followed. Um, so it's very it's very uh, targeted at that that kind of behavior. So that stuff doesn't spread. And there's a tool to actually enforce the taking down of that material um, when it happens. Does this position BC at the forefront now of of uh, jurisdictions that are trying to combat this? Um, we've, I, you know, I have to say, I, we, we've taken some pretty bold steps in the in the amendments um, here, and, and it starts from 2017. We took big money out of politics. We upgraded the accessibility in 2019, and here's another step where we're we're tackling disinformation in our electoral system. Um, you know, there are other jurisdictions that are trying to approach this problem and figuring out figure out how to make sure we have the tools necessary. But certainly, um, we're we're you know, we're proud to be taking leadership when it comes to addressing this. Stuff. So a lot of people, of course, uh, aren't available on election day uh, to to vote. Um, they uh, might try to do it in, in advance, but even in some cases, they're away for that or not able to do that. So the mail-in ballots have become increasingly important. What, what are you amending around that to make them uh, a little bit more accessible? So we've taken really the learnings. There's a whole series of amendments and additions on voting in ballots, but essentially voters can know that there's more going to be more opportunities and more locations for them um, to drop off their mail-in ballot. For example, Service BC and different offices. You'll you'll see a whole slew of them. And and the the reason we got these amendments um, through as quickly as we could is because we want them to show up for the next election. So um, when when that next election comes, they'll be expanded opportunities for not only mailing in ballots, locations to drop off ballots, and opportunities to vote in advance. Yeah. Um, some of the things that I think people have called for in the past that aren't really there yet. I mean, are are we really closing in at all on online balloting, do you think? Um, well, I have had conversations with the chief electoral officer about that, and, and it was an interesting one about what, what different jurisdictions have set up um, and are starting to step into that online balloting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think the concerns at least were raised from their perspective was that we need to make sure that the systems are in place to, to keep the integrity of the process while we step into that area. Um, and of course, as you can see with the amendments right now, there's a lot of focus on how digital platforms and online um, spreading of information is actually harming the electoral process. So that was really the steps for what we're taking, we're tackling right now. And that the hope is, is that in one day we can make, um, for my view anyway, uh, voting as accessible as possible, including in all the ways we interact in our life, which includes the digital. Yeah, yeah. But some time away, you think, right? Um, I, I think the the from, from my d- digging into it, it seems like... Um, the, the real question is, how do you protect the integrity of the vote in a, in a system? And I think I think that would take a lot of um, focus and investment and thinking to think about how that's possible, right? Yeah. And another thing is that usually, uh, like, to not to have a written record or written written ballot is another way of, of validating things. So they need to think about what that looks like on an online space. It's a very complicated, actually, discussion of that transformation into an online platform. I don't think there's any doubt that with all of the advanced polls and the mail-in ballot uh, that that it has essentially mitigated some of the declines in voter turnout and all of this. But do you have any ideas about how it is that we just get people to vote? 
Um, it's the million dollar question. We make it as accessible and, and available as possible. Um, we support, uh, you know, I, I think there's something about tackling disinformation because we want to remove the kind of cynicism about politicians and, and, and electoral process by, by holding up the integrity of the ideas and the debate that needs to happen during an election um, and the, the choosing of uh, how you align your values with candidates. And, and all of these steps, I think, will hopefully give, uh, give uh, confidence in British Columbia and continue to give confidence in them that we elections are important in this province. We value their vote and we want to make it as easy as possible for them to vote. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to spring this terribly on you, uh, but I mean, I'm sure you've read all of this around uh, the concerns about election interference and about campaign interference that have come about, um, particularly uh, from China. And, and do you have a position on, on what ought to be done uh, in order to, again, uh, assure the public that the process is, uh, has integrity, that it isn't subject to distortion? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that elections have to constantly be um, updated like we're doing in BC. You have to always think about what are the new ways that we need to approach holding up the integrity of our election electoral process. Um, and this was in response to a report in 2020 on disinformation, but this is the, the idea being that we are telling people, individuals, organizations everywhere that if you're going to interfere with misinformation in a, in a British Columbian election, there will be consequences. And I think it's a step in, in how we think about uh, constantly improving the processes to guard against interference. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the key part of our democracy. It's so important uh, to everything, right, to, to the public to keep our systems um, with the integrity they need to break. How, how concerned are you, though, that some of the, some of the efforts uh, that seem to be uh, done at a federal level um, could easily come here? Um, you know, I think this is, it's, disinformation in particular or interference is kind of a global challenge, right? We're all thinking about that in different ways. I'm really focused on the BC elections right now and thinking about yeah. how we we can make sure that the chief electoral officer has the tools that they need to enforce and protect the system. And, and I think every jurisdiction needs to be thinking. Yeah, I mean, Elections Canada has said it is going to uh, do its own investigation and all that. Um, do you, when you take a look at the role for elections BC, um, should it be, should it be driving things like um, uh, leadership campaigns, uh, you know, having a greater say over some municipal campaigns? Is it, is it really the place where now you, you want to invest a lot more, uh, a lot more authority to it in, in the elections that are to come? Um. You know, I think there's there's always recommendations and ways we can think about improving the electoral process. I'm really uh, working on these particular changes right now, but it doesn't mean that there's going to be an evolution or discussion about different ways to improve it. I'm certainly Elections BC provides uh, really great independent oversight, great tools that can ensure um, that. And I know they have a role in financing uh, in all elections. BC. And you know, I'm certainly think they're important. When um, last last question, and I mean, you you pointed out that uh, in 2017 uh, uh, the party really moved quite uh, aggressively ahead in driving a lot of the big money out of the campaigns, uh, really limiting what people could contribute. Um, but there's, as you know, there are also these gaps between elections, and and it's it's becoming a little clearer 
that that is where the money is flowing in. It's flowing in between elections, um, even though there are some limits on what individuals can donate, particularly at a provincial and federal level, because those those uh, get you tax uh, tax breaks. Um, is that the next kind of frontier to sort of deal with in terms mm -hmm. of financing? I mean, we're always thinking about uh, how to improve our effort. Um, and I think the legislation in 2017 to get big, big money out of politics really changed the electoral system and process. Um, and I was looking at ways to spark that. The, the amendments right now will make it clearer for third party advertisers um, that they cannot be uh, colluding with political candidates and that pre-election and election um, period. So it's another way to like lessen the influence of um, of money outside of uh, politics on politicians and political campaigns. So we're always thinking of ways to kind of strengthen and improve the work we've been doing since 2017. But certainly uh, campaign financing and the integrity of that process is, is a key one. Right? British yeah. companies want to know that 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 uh, campaigns and elections and politicians are not influenced by uh, Yeah, by I think we, we, we see so many other jurisdictions where it just seems to be running amok, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we want more integrity. Minister Sharma, it's been great talking to you today. Thanks a lot for your help. And uh, we'll see how these amendments uh, have a result in the next okay. time that we uh, we go to vote in British Columbia. Great, well, thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you as well. Nikki Sharma is our Attorney General. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and executive editor at BIV. Thanks a lot for watching.